our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Well, there's nothing like uh, the last minute. They always say if it wasn't for the last minute, a lot of things wouldn't get done. And Jaron, let's just burst into the studio with like three seconds to go for Pet Chat today. Daniel Carrington, g'day. G'day. I'm just so busy cuddling rabbits. That's what it's all about. What? Are there rabbits outside? <laughs> No. You've just got to wait and see this, Mark. Okay, we'll wait and see that. <laughs> Dr. Kimberly Earl, you did the right thing. You turned up on time. Good afternoon. Hello, how are you doing? Oh, look, ready for a big big topic. What are you going to talk with us about today? We're going to talk about environmental enrichment for our pets, okay. including rabbits. Including rabbits. <laughs> the rabbits, they, well, they last a couple of weeks and they're gone. You've got to replace them, Danny, with new ones. No, no, no not quite. They'll last a while. All righty. You'll be all right. Danny, yeah, you've got a very important topic to discuss today. Of course, we're talking about those cuddly little creatures, the bunny rabbits. The bunny rabbits, they are fantastic and very cuddly. Look, the reason why I wanted to talk about this, Mark, was in our store we've uh, had a big demand recently about purchasing rabbits for pets, for kitties, and I think it's to do with Peter Rabbit the movie being out. Isn't that so amazing? Something just like a film, all of a sudden everyone wants a bunny rabbit. <laughs> That's right. It was like the case with Nemo. You know, mm -hmm. everyone wanted the clownfish. It's not that easy to look after. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, with rabbits, look, they do make lovely pets, but we want to educate and inform people what's involved and the commitment that's involved. Yes, it's fun to watch the movie and, oh, yeah, I want a Peter Rabbit. But what's, what's the detail in looking after the rabbit? And this is Chris on the line now to talk to us about that. Hi, Chris. Thank you for joining us. No problem. Hey, mate. So when someone is considering a rabbit, look, one of the first things I think that's important is the lifespan. What's the commitment? How long do they live? So uh, these days, um, yeah, rabbits are living around your 8 to 12 on average years. So, yeah, a bit more than what we used to get uh, a few years ago. But now that, um, yeah, people are getting more education on them, um, they, they seem to live that little bit longer now. So, yeah, yes. around the 8 so, to 12 currently. So, that you know, that is a, a long commitment, actually, when you think about it. <coughs> yeah. Um, in, in terms of looking after them and their diet, what about, what do people have to feed? So predominantly um, hay is, is their main diet, so a good quality hay, um, around 80% of their diet. Uh, you give them a bit of a, either a pellety mix or um, like a, a, a mix of some sort. Some people use grains. Some of those aren't too great with the grains. So if you go to more of a, a complete diet grain, uh, pellet, sorry, um, you give them about 10% of those or a handful usually. Um, and then you've got about 10% of the diets, the fruit and veg, leafy greens being, being the best. When you say greens, though, there's some elements, like I know, for example, lettuce is not a good green to give rabbits. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it, it's quite high in water, so uh, a lot of lettuce doesn't really give them nutritional value. Um, it's just basically, yeah, just give them, like giving them a glass of water. So um, for, yeah, for nutrition, iceberg lettuce isn't, isn't the best. Chris, sorry, I'm just going to jump in. Chris, I, I yeah. noticed when you mentioned about lettuce being a bit of a no-no, I, I just think everybody just assumes, I've got a, a rabbit, so we'll just throw some lettuce out there. Is, is it detrimental to them or just not the best value for them? I mean, it, it's, it can be detrimental if fed too much. So if it's just a lot, um, because it, it can cause scouring and things like that if, if you're feeding them too much of it. So little bits here and there is not detrimental, but it's just advised just to sort of stick away from it um, so you don't overdo it. It's the same sort of thing as mice go with cheese. It, it's, it's, um, it's a fable, yeah. Okay, so you're looking at your denser greens, such as your broccoli, um, that kind of stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, Asian, like um, yeah, or your Asian greens as well. So your bok choy, your your wombox, um, your cabbages, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. 
Now, what about uh, what could be common causes of death for rabbits? So, yeah, think things that you need to sort of keep an eye on with a, a rabbit. Um, you've got the heat. Um, they, they can die from heat stroke if it gets too hot um, with, the, with the Australian, um, how we are here. Um, always keeping a frozen Coke bottle in the freezer, like a 600ml Coke bottle, will, um, will suffice. And, and, you and usually. Put that in the cage. Yeah, correct. On a hot day, pop it in the cage, and then if they feel like they need to cool their body temperature but they'll just go and lay on, on that. Um, obviously, keep them out of direct sunlight and things like that. Um, stress can be a factor with um, neighbourhood cats, say, if they're out in the backyard. So a lot of people these days are bringing rabbits in at night time, um, so they're not having to worry about the neighbourhood cat peering in the cage or, or basically giving them a heart attack, which can happen. They can stress out so much they give themselves a heart attack. Um, and also another reason why people are bringing them inside more often now at night time is due to your, your viruses, like your Khaleesi virus, your myxomatosis, which is transferred through mainly mozzies but can be through fleas and things like that as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so they're probably your, your, your heat strokes, um, your, your stress and your viruses are probably your, your main three biggest killers for, for rabbits and things that you need to sort of keep an eye on. And as a pet, do they make a great pet compared to a, a small dog, for example, or a cat? Yeah, fantastic. They don't bark, so they're, they're really good like that. <laughs> and you, you can sort of you can get that love from a rabbit that you can from a cat or a dog. Mm. Um, they can be litter-trained like a cat, so if you have a, a little apartment, um, most people, if they can't have a cat or dog, they have a little apartment rabbit that sort of hops around the apartment. Um and the only thing you sort of need to worry about with that is if they're around, they, they can chew your skirting boards, your, your cores off your television, things like that. So you, you do have to be careful with that. But and, and possibly if, shorten the legs of the dining table or something like that? But they, they can definitely do that. You do have to be very careful of that. So it's great plenty, to hear of, that, plenty of chew toys. It's great to hear that yeah. they can be uh, litter trained because they do poop a lot, Chris. They, they, they can, mate, yeah, yeah. So because they're nibbling all day, they're sort of eating throughout the day constantly. Um, yeah, constantly it comes out the other way as well. Um, but, yeah, definitely just as easy to litter train a rabbit as it is a cat. So just, yeah. Uh, just last question, I guess. If you are looking at a rabbit and are happy with all that information we've discussed, and especially I think there's got to be a commitment of the lifespan of 8 to 12 years, mm. what are the couple of breeds that you can recommend, especially for kids, uh, your younger kids, 4-year-old, 5-, 6-year-olds? Yeah, yeah well, so you've got um, the, the two most common dwarf rabbits um, are your Netherland dwarf and your mini-slash-dwarf lops. Um, your Netherlands are your small fellas. They're, they're probably one of the smallest that you can, you can get. Um, they are, being that they're so small, they are a bit more fragile than your lop, though. Um, so you, you do have to be a bit more careful with handling and, and things like that with these guys. Uh, with the lops, though, they, they, they're still delicate. They're still a, a small rabbit, um, but they're, they're a little bit hardier. They're quite docile as well, um, so they, they tend to be the most popular. Um, and then you can move into your giant rabbits as well. Some people go the other way. If they can't have a cat, can't have a dog, they get a, a rabbit that can be the size of a, of a cat. Oh. Um, yeah, they litter train them, put them in their apartments, and they can make a pretty good pet, yeah. That's those the giant rabbits, yes, okay. Yeah, yeah, so not really... Mark's squirming kid. over here. I, I, see, <laughs> I, think, I, I think giant rabbit, I just think of Bugs Bunny, but that's obviously a bit of an exaggeration, but... Uh, Quite um, exaggeration, the size yeah. of a cat. I actually, I actually was, um, had uh, someone who had a giant rabbit and a smaller rabbit, and uh, it was really funny to see because when I came into the environment, the giant rabbit hid behind the small rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> well, Danny, you're a very intimidating kind of guy, must let's be, be honest. Must be. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. No worries at all. I'll tell you what, thanks, Chris. I'll tell you what, we've, we've learned something today, or I have. Lettuce is a no-no for rabbits. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that. And yeah. uh, and stress, obviously, a big one for them as well. And we didn't discuss, just because bunny uh, or Bugs Bunny eats carrots all the time, mm. don't feed your rabbit carrots every single day. That's a no-no too. Now I know why all the rabbits that we've ever had in our family have not lasted this what this yeah. eight years I'm thinking that's the big fallacy but no it, it's the, maybe we're, it's us we're doing it all wrong. The other thing I'd say too is just um, Chris didn't touch on it too much but there is some regular preventative maintenance we want to be doing with rabbits so mm. um, we do have a Khaleesi virus vaccination in Australia um, to help prevent these guys from developing Khaleesi virus which is fatal so there's no cure for Khaleesi virus if they get it um, they're goners. Um, so at the moment, the current recommendations from the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries, the DPI, is six monthly vaccinations for adult rabbits with the um, young rabbits having a, 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 an initial vaccination and a booster four weeks later. Um, and the other thing is that regular dental checks is really, really critical. We, particularly with our lops and our Netherland dwarfs, um, they have squashy little faces. Lots of these guys will develop dental problems. Um, feeding a correct diet will go a long way to help preventing that. But dental, in, in my practice, we see a lot of rabbits for dental problems. So mm. it's really important. Well, Kimberly Earl, this afternoon, it is all about environmental enrichment for our pets. Those things that go beyond, as you said, a bed, a bath, uh, a feed, Water and a toilet. all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So yeah. what are our next steps? So, listen, I mean, in, in lots of our pets, we like to think that they're happy just being with us, with us, sorry. But the reality is, is that most of us go away to work. We're gone for most of the day. The pets are often left alone. Um, and sometimes that's pretty boring for them. And we certainly see in my practice a lot of animals that are, um, suffering from, um, depre not, not depression, but, um, boredom related conditions or, or over grooming or, um, various different things that are related to the fact that their environments aren't stimulating enough. Most of our pets are really, really intelligent. And in a wild situation, not that our pets are wild, but if they were, um, they would spend a lot of their day doing those basic things, looking for food, um, grooming, and you know, those sorts of things, traveling around, uh, guarding their territories. And so when we have behavioral problems in pets, a lot of it comes down to the fact that they're just not being kept occupied enough during the course of the day. So environmental enrichment is about making sure that our pets um, emotional and um, psychological needs um, that their brains are stimulated so that we're not getting some of those abnormal behaviors and this is dogs this is cats this is birds this is rabbits pretty much anything not really sure about fish but you know pretty well any pet you have we really should be providing some environmental enrichment for them yeah it's interesting when you think if <coughs> if our pets were in the wild quote unquote um, mm -hmm. they would essentially have the entire their entire world to explore and do everything but yeah. you put them into our domesticated situations they've got at best a backyard or less that's right so we've really got to sort of double up our efforts to Absolutely. try and keep them busy yeah so a lot of our um, a lot of our focus starts with feeding so in a wild situation again we're looking at that um, take your rabbits for instance 70 to 85 percent of their day is spent foraging for food in our pet rabbits in our pet dogs and our pet cats we are taking five seconds we're scooping some food into a bowl or popping some green leafy veggies and some hay into the cage um, and the rabbits uh, you know they have the food ready at hand they don't have to go looking for it so we try to recommend people to make your pets work for their food so that's my first suggestion make your pets work for their food so if it's a rabbit certainly we want hay and hay takes time to eat that's great but think about taking a toilet paper or a paper towel tube stuff it with hay make the rabbit work to get the hay out of there you might hide a tiny little sultana on the inside 
and make them work getting through the hay to get to the little treat on the inside. You can cover, um, you know, put a piece of paper with an elastic rubber over top of their bowl of pellets, um, make them work to get into where the pellets are. Same things can be done for pet birds. We often um, encourage people to make their birds work for their food by putting something over top of their food bowl um, or putting their food into a cardboard, a little cardboard box. There's some, some nice little commercial ones you can get to have them tear into them. With dogs and cats, um, feeding dry food, I think it's really good to consider scatter feeding your food for your dog. So measure out their normal quantity, but instead of giving it to them in a bowl, scatter it on the lawn, make them work for it, or hide it for your cats. Hide it in little piles. Um, you know, you might do three little corners around the around the kitchen or um, it's dry food so it's relatively you know it's not too messy um, make them work for it. have 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 a half a dozen or a dozen hiding spots and pick two or three every day and put them in so that the cat has to go around to the different hiding spots and try to find their food and, and because uh, they're pretty smart and their senses are pretty in tune that it's not like they're not going to be able to sort of sniff where That's is right. this food oh it's over there somewhere mm-hmm. and once your pet gets used to the idea of looking for their food it might be a little hard if they've never done it before but it only takes them a few days to work it out and they will then prefer to hunt or find their food that way than they will to get it out of a food bowl if you feed your cat um, wet food and obviously you don't want to be putting wet food around the house that's not going to be very nice um, but take a muffin tin and put a half a teaspoon into you know half a dozen of little muffin tins squish it down into the bottom make them work for it or take a coffee mug and put it down in the bottom tip the coffee mug on the side and make the cat work with its paw getting it out using its you know paw to get it that way that's really important for these guys to make them work for their food beyond the food is yep. there some other things that we can do absolutely so um think about the sorts of things your pets would like to do that they enjoy doing so for cats cats we know live in a three-dimensional world we always want cats to have some hiding places or or perches up high so a nice tall scratching post or you might dedicate a shelf up on the wall let them get up there um, rabbits love to have tunnels and um, holes and boxes to go and dig into um, i've got some clients who will take a cardboard box they'll put a bunch of shredded paper sh- um, shavings in there they might put a couple of treats down in the bottom and the rabbits will jump into the box of shredded paper and they'll find um, the little treat items in there. For dogs, you might look at um, giving them a little sand pit or a wading pool. Um, certainly for dogs feeding um, safe bone alternatives, we really like um, uh, sort of plasticated bones rather than real bones because we get lots of problems with real bones. Um, but you can do that. You can give them a sand pit. You can um, give them ice cubes, you know, freeze some of their food or some treats into a, a big ice block from a um, an ice cream tub, something like that. Pop that on the back lawn. Make them work for their food. Make them play with it. Make them um, hide things, you know, hide toys around. Have a selection of toys and give them two different toys each day and to put the old toys away so they're getting something different every day. And I guess another one may be try not to have just, if you can, just the single pet. I mean, if you can sort of have at least a, a friend for them. Yeah, certainly some species are really social and do better that way. Um, so I'd certainly say rabbits is one we like. Um, rabbits and guinea pigs, we think they should be with a, a conspecific, a, a pet of the same species species. Um, birds, if you can do it, they, they certainly are, are social and like to do that. Um, some cats get on with other cats. Others are quite happy to be on their own as a sin- single cat in the household. Um, and certainly if you do have multiple cats in the household, making that three-dimensional world is even more important. These guys really need to have different territories. And their different territories are not just the lounge room, the bedroom, the kitchen. It might be um, the upper corner of the lounge room and the lower you know, shelf in the kitchen or the top of the fridge or different things like that. Wow. So three dimensions that, that, really specific. important. Yeah, mm. really. And and um, there's some really great videos. If you go onto YouTube and and look at you know cat um, cat walkways, cat 
shelves, things like that. Some people have set up their houses to be amazing cat palaces with these great big walkways and archways and hiding holes on top of shelves and things like that. It's fantastic. You could watch cat videos on YouTube all day, couldn't you? I'm, <laughs> you could, I'm yeah. I'm sure at some point in, in the last couple of years you've had a look at the one where there's cats being frightened by cucumbers. Oh, Please yeah. tell me if... <laughs> I have, yes. I'm not sure I'd consider that environmental enrichment. That's a little no, bit just shocking. No, but no, yeah. it, 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 it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. it's. I mean, YouTube is an amazing tool for, for people to go on and get some different ideas. There's really good ones um, of rabbits where you can string a little, um, almost like a little miniature clothesline up in your house um, and put little pegged, you know, your, your greens that we were talking about, peg a leaf of kale, peg some um, parsley, peg some bok choy, uh, make your rabbit stand up on its back legs to get them and pull them off. You can just sort of use that as a little as a little um you know again it's exercise so they're using their muscles and they're having to problem solve a little bit to have them like how am i going to get to this food treat that sort of thing it's really vital for these guys it's how you sort of think of it isn't it because mm. when as you're sort of mentioning all these things a way of thinking will be oh why make life hard for them but mm. it's really that's actually making it easy for them to, is, to go yeah. through their life i'm going to throw a, a question out of the blue at you here sure. but with with environmental enrichment we've talked about most of the the the, the conventional pets yeah do you have any advice for those who may have some of those unorthodox pets, like, say, maybe snakes and lizards? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the things that I would always say, um, it, it often comes down to setting up their habitat appropriately, okay? So environmental enrichment for a snake might be having um, a hide cover on the ground, so a box or a, um, you can get decorated rocky sort of things, um, but also having a stick. So if you particularly have an arboreal um, snake that they have um, a branch to go on, or maybe two branches or a shelf up higher, um, so that we're not just in a... Uh, you know, plain old, here's the box with some newspaper or, or substrate on the bottom and the heat lamp and a water dish. We want to give these guys hiding places. We want to give them climbing places if they want it. Not all snakes, snakes like to climb and not all lizards like to climb, but the same rules sort of apply. Giving them a varied environment. Um, keeping in mind that we want it to be um, safe for them, we want it to be non-toxic and we want it to be easy to clean and disinfect but those things are all pretty manageable for, for reptiles yeah. uh, Again, all sounds pretty basic and <laughs> common sense when you think about it, what do you reckon Danny? Well, I, I really believe in that kind of stuff in terms of the environment enrichment for animals um, in the case of our pets, because we're also leading our lives and working our pets spend time alone so you've got to think about you know, what would that animal have done in the wild to keep mm. itself entertained? And let's try and copy as much as we can for that kind of stuff. And it really works. It mm. works for problematic dogs. It works for our smaller pets. And yeah. they have to exercise their muscles and have to do There's different things. There's been some really good science um, and studies done in the veterinary behaviour world where they show cats who have problems with stress-related problems. So we get um, stress-related urinary issues, we get over-grooming, um, different things like that. And um, they've actually shown that making your cat find its food, it might only be 10 or 12 minutes out of that cat's day, but that gives it a bit of a release reduces the stress and the pressure on it and it can relax more and be a much more normal happy cat so it doesn't have to be an arduous sort of thing and small amounts of improvement make really big improvement in the dog's or and cat's quality of life Kim talking about cats too like we're encouraged <laughs> these days not to let cats roam Absolutely. the neighbourhood yeah. it's better that we keep them indoors so okay we're going to keep them indoors mm -hmm. but we have to create a certain environment indoors mm -hmm. for them That's right. to keep them happy uh, reduce anxiety and stress yep. but also to help in terms of um, I know cats that have the issues like this can also then toilet in areas they're not supposed to That's toilet right. yeah. so it's also limiting that problem too mm -hmm. uh, it's funny we mentioned all that just then I've heard so many calls on this program alone where people have, I've got 
behavioural issues with my dog, my cat, my whatever, and it turns out that they're, they're just understimulated. There's not enough absolutely. for them to do. So yeah, absolutely. We're back where we started there. Yeah. So you're going to be previewing this week's Dog of the Week very shortly. I am very excited about Snaffles. Can't wait to talk about Snaffles. <laughs> okay. Got some details at 2NURFM.com for you. And it is a good afternoon to Nola from Belmont. You have a question for our pe- pet spurts this afternoon. A dog, uh, an old dog, what do we feed an old dog? Yes, Hi, guys. Hi, Nola. Yeah, this Hi. is Nola. I have a 11-year-old Maltese fish-on-freeze cross. Yep. And uh, he has been having chicken necks for years. Okay. But I've read recently that they're not really good for dogs. Yeah, right. Um, he has a, a good, healthy uh, dry food, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what sort of other food to give her. Okay. What do you recommend? Yeah, so um, it, it depends a little bit on the dog. If she's eating the healthy, dry food, I mean, they are designed to be a complete and balanced diet, so you don't really need to feed anything on top of it. Lots of people like to. Um, we, oh, okay. we don't recommend feeding um, chicken necks anymore. Uh, well, we haven't. I haven't recommended feeding chicken necks for a very, very, very long time, um, but certainly the um, some recent research has showed that it can be quite dangerous in some pets. Um, pets. Um, so, listen, I mean, if you want to feed feed uh, your dog something other than the dry food that it's on, we often have people who will um, do some cooked food, cooked meat for them. Um, you know, a bit of um, chicken and veggies. I don't think they need much in the way of carbohydrates, but if you were going to feed some, maybe some brown rice, that kind of thing, um, there are certainly a variety of good quality um, tinned foods available that often would work yeah. and um, different things. It depends on whether or not your dog um, has any problems with its mouth, teeth. A lot of older dogs will have some dental issues, but if it's eating its um, biscuit food successfully, it shouldn't have problems with too much else. Okay, I used to make her a stew, and for whatever reason, I forget now, I gave that up, because mm-hmm. I suppose it was time-consuming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you think the dry food's enough, maybe I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, if she's eating it and she's in good body condition and doesn't have any medical problems, there's often no um, need to feed anything else. Lots of people like to do it, um, but... You know, I have to admit, my dog gets her, you know, her one and a quarter cup of dry food twice a day. And at Christmas and her birthday, she usually gets a tin of something yummier than that. And I give her a bit of carrot when she um, she loves a bit of raw carrot. So I give her that when we're having it. But other than that, she's just a dry food dog. And, and lots of dogs will thrive on that really well. Nola, if you'd still okay. like to make the stew, you can always bring it around to the radio station. <laughs> it wouldn't go astray at lunchtime, just between you and me. Well, actually, my daughter has eaten it a couple of times in the past. <laughs> oh well, must be pretty good then. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. No worries. Thanks, Nolan. Bye bye. Glad we could help you out as well. And uh, a reminder: if uh, your dog uh, needs a bit of a scrub and a tub, so Danny, this is a good one. If you would like to get your dog uh, a bit of a nice spa treatment, uh, the gang at Dog Overboard, the most experienced groomers and canine carers in town, uh, all we need is some photos of your dog that's just maybe splashing around in the mud or something like that, and and uh, you could be a winner of two and you RFM's dirty dogs uh, once a month. I wonder if Cheryl would take my pet pig. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> it's been raining a bit, so it's quite muddy at the moment. <laughs> well, you can, you can enter, but because you're part of the program, I don't know that Cheryl will pick you out, but uh, you can pay to have a, a treatment. I'm sorry, Mitzi. Not, you won't not be going eligible, to Danny. Not eligible. <laughs>
<laughs> no, still a couple of minutes if you've got a call this afternoon uh, about a, a pet question for our, for the gang, 49216216. It is that time, Danny. I know you're very excited. I'm not going to keep you waiting any longer. This week's Dog of the Week, can you tell us about Snaffles? Well, Snaffles is a nine-month-old greyhound puppy. Now, greyhounds, they love running, don't they? They Very do. energetic. See, back to that, you know, keeping them stimulated <laughs> again. That we're talking. It's all, everything's related today. Yeah. Okay. Look, greyhounds are also known to be lounge lizards too, Mark. Totally. So you don't have to worry. However, being that this is a nine-month-old puppy, it will be an active dog. They will want to run around, have lots of energy. So anyone who's looking for rehoming snuffles needs to uh, make sure that they get the proper exercise that they need. And some things that uh, is recommended here for Snaffles Forever Home would be a family with older children or teenagers and with a second dog of a, fi- uh, of a, of a similar size who will enjoy playing with him and with someone who will continue his socialisation and training because he is only nine months old. Uh, Snaffles has had a, a broken leg in the past, um, but now that's all fine. And what I love about Snaffles, he's almost toilet trained, and when you take him outside of the house, you say, Snaffles, pee. He pees on command. <laughs> now, Mark, I think I'd have trouble with you like that. Oh, that's not that's, that's right. I don't, I don't turn up here to be insulted by the pet chat people. Oh. It, makes, it makes life really easy, actually. If your dog can, can uh, go to the toilet on command, if you have to get out of the house, you know, oh, we, we've got to go, you know, I need to send the dog outside, do his business, come back in, give it command word, really easy. It's One thing, really that even as they state here in, in the paperwork, is there will always be moments that snaffles will make you laugh. And they are those type of dogs when they're puppies. They really are fun, entertaining. They've got character. Um, so we want to find him the right home. Yeah, and the contact details was is for Misty on zero four three four three seven three four double two, or you can have a look at Snaffles and his photos at dogrescuenewcastle.com.au and also on our 2 URFM website. Yes, head to 2 com and uh, go to the Dog of the Week page and who knows, I could be joining Snaffles outside for a late <laughs> night wee or something like that. We're going to squeeze one more call in this afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Leanne. Uh, you're at Westbrook. You've got a question about your staffing. What's going on? <laughs> Um, environmentally related, she gets um, very itchy paws. Um, we think it's the trash bale, and obviously with the uh, the wet and the dry that we've had in the weather, um, it's coming through. We're trying to keep the grass short, but um, yeah, she seems to be biting her nails. Like she sits there and has a nice little crunch, crunch chew, and I'm like, stop it, you know, mm. and she stops it. But she's constantly licking her feet, and um, I've tried, um, uh, you know, soaking them in a bit of, I know it sounds weird, but cool chamomile tea um, just to soothe it. Um, we, we bath her regularly. Um, she's getting up to 11 years old now, so um, she's got a few uh, barnacles on her, if you like, like um, yeah. you know, um, you know, as they do the, the um, oh, what are they called, skin tags and stuff like that. Sure. So I just yeah. don't know if it's all related just to her age or... Yeah, so it, it can be. Listen, we know that Staffies are a, a pretty um, sensitive skin type of dog and it's not uncommon for them to have um, itchy feet and sometimes itchy bellies as well, um, particularly at this time of year when the grass is often fairly wet from the dew in the mornings and they're going in and, um, 
you know, out there in the morning and getting their feet wet. Um, a lot of dogs will get superficial infections of, um, of yeast or bacteria on their feet and that can make them really, really itchy. Um, and some dogs will get little, um, almost like little nail bed or superficial nail bed infections. Um, again, usually with yeast or, or some superficial bacteria there. So she's really itchy chewing at her feet all the time. Um, probably a pop-up to your vet just to have a bit of a check. Um, I've seen a dog like this recently this week and, and my recommendation was some medicated shampoo foot baths where we wet the feet down, um, rub the, sh- the medicated shampoo and leave it on for 10 minutes and then um, and then go from there. Um, so your vet might have something like that to recommend. Um, drying the feet off with a towel would be really good as well just so we're not getting, they're not staying moist all the time. So great advice. Hopefully uh, can help you out, Leanne. And that's it for us today. Pet Chat, thank you, Dr. Kimberly Orr, for coming in today. You're very welcome. Uh, Danny, you not so much because I got an insult from you a few moments ago. So. That's okay, Mark. So no you, worries. You still love you, mate. That's it, Mark. Sit. Good boy. Good boy. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.